This is episode number 388 with Ramit Sethi. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Ramit is the author of the New York Times bestseller, I Will Teach You To Be Rich, and has become a personal development expert to millions of readers in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. He started his website, IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com, as a Stanford undergrad in 2004, and he now hosts over a million readers per month on his blog, newsletter, and social media. Ramit grew up in Sacramento, the son of Indian immigrant parents who taught him the art of negotiating. He went on to earn a bachelor's and master's degree in technology and psychology from Stanford University and has used this understanding of human behavior to create innovative solutions in self-development. Ramit and his team build premium digital products about career, personal finance, entrepreneurship, psychology, and personal development for top performers. The I Will Teach You To Be Rich community includes over 1 million monthly readers, 300,000 newsletter subscribers, and 35,000 premium customers. Pretty cool, huh? And in today's episode, we chat about the crazy story of how Ramit started his hugely successful blog from his college dorm room, why living a rich life looks different for everyone and why you absolutely should spend money on things you love and bring you joy. Why finding the true intention behind your spending habits is so crucial and how you can identify them. Why wealthy isn't a dirty word and how you can upgrade your outdated conditioning around the concept of money. Ramit's three life-changing steps to work out your finances and be on your way toward a diverse, rich life how to free yourself from limiting beliefs, start dreaming bigger and manifest true wealth? And does your partner have an outdated money mindset? Here's how to inspire them to join you on the journey to true wealth. What every parent needs to know about raising their kids with an excellent money mindset and healthy spending habits, plus so much more. For everything that we mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 388. And now without further ado, let's dive in to this must listen for every single human on this planet episode with Ramit Sethi. Ramit, I am so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? I had the same thing that I have every morning. I have toast, yogurt with some peanut butter and blueberries and almonds and honey. Oh, how good is almonds and honey and blueberries? Oh my goodness, yum. I know, it's so good. What about you? What'd you have? Actually, this morning I had a whole papaya. Wow, that sounds really good too. Yeah, so right now as we record this, I am in Australia and it's the middle of summer and I live in a tropical climate on the beach. 
So we have the most delicious tropical fruits available. So a whole papaya was what my body wanted this morning. You're inspiring me. I might have to change up my weekend routine and get some papaya in there. Yes, definitely. I am so excited to chat to you today. I just can't wait to pick your brain. But for those that have never heard about you, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today doing the work that you now do? How did this all unfold for you? Well, I remember being in high school and my parents told me that you want to go to college, great, you're going to need to find college scholarships. And I love building systems. I really enjoy cracking the code. And so I ended up applying to about 65 scholarships and paid my way through college. And I took some of that college scholarship money and actually put it in the stock market. Now, this was 1999, 2000. Everybody thought they were a genius, including me. You put it in and you think the next day you're going to make 200%. And I quickly lost half of my early money right away. And it was very humbling. And I think a lot of us have this feeling that if we invest in the stock market, it's like gambling. And so here I am in college, I'm studying human psychology, human behavior, persuasion. And I was also learning about money. And I started to try to teach my friends a little bit about what I'd learned. And everybody said, oh, that'd be awesome. I'd love to come to your class. And then they never showed up. So another pivotal moment where you feel like as a creator, you have mastered something, you want to help other people, and they're not listening. And so what do you do? Do you give up or do you pivot? And so I ended up starting a blog called I Will Teach You To Be Rich. I started this from my dorm room and I started talking about money like you and I would talk about money. We'd have a drink. We'd say, oh my God, I can't believe my friend is so cheap. They never tip when we go out. You know, my money's sitting in my checking account. How do I grow this thing? I don't want to make a mistake. And if you fast forward 16 years, we have over a million readers a month. We've helped so many people on the areas of money, business, careers, and psychology. And so if you want to know how to invest, if you want to know how to quadruple your salary, if you want to know how to start a business, that's what we do at I Will Teach You To Be Rich. I love it. You obviously talk a lot about this rich life. So how do you define that? What does that mean for you? Because it's going to mean something different for every single person. So how do you define it? I'm glad you asked how I define it for me, because you're right. It's different for everybody. And that's one of the key principles of the book, which is for too long, we've been told, no, no, no. That's the favorite word in personal finance. No, no, you can't buy lattes. No, you can't buy jeans. No, you can't go on vacation. Just sit in your boring, drab apartment for the next 80 years, shivering from the cold. And maybe, just maybe when you're 90, you can take a trip to Australia and look at the beach, you know, through your trifocals. What kind of life is that? That life sucks. And so I said, no, my rich life, starting from when I was young, I wanted to go out. I wanted to buy a round of drinks for my friends. I wanted to experience things that I could use money to help me experience. So my rich life today is different than my rich life in my early 20s. I'll tell you what it is today. My rich life is being able to work with people who I like and respect. That's number one in terms of work. My rich life is never questioning spending on books, appetizers, health, or if a friend is raising a charity fundraiser, I never think about it. I write the check. And my rich life is being able to travel with my family, my wife, for four to six weeks at a time every year. And so those are parts of my rich life. 
for somebody else, it could be completely different. In fact, I love when I ask people, what is your rich life, which I'm going to ask you in just a second. And they, they kind of sheepishly look down and, and you can tell they're a little embarrassed, but I already know their answer because I've talked to hundreds of thousands of people about this. And one person I remember in Pasadena here in LA, she said, I love buying clothes. She loves it. And I said, awesome. What if you could spend more on your rich life? And this was mind boggling to her. She had never considered it because she'd always considered the feeling of guilt around clothes as if it's materialistic. Hey, I don't care. You want to buy a coat, be my guest. I'll show you how to do it. You want to take a trip and fly business class, bring your family along? I'll show you how to earn enough to do that. Your rich life is yours, not mine. So I'm curious, what is your rich life? Well, I've never been asked this question. And I guess for me, my rich life is about being able to never have to think about how much I'm spending on my health for sure. So that is a huge priority for me. So whether that's organic food or seeing an acupuncturist or a chiro or some sort of body worker. So it's never having to second guess spending any money on my health for me and my family. That is definitely one. Being able to travel and being able to give back to my family, so to my in-laws and to my mom and dad. One of mine and my husband's big goals is to be able to fly both of our parents to the Greek islands because we all love Greece. Fly them to the Greek islands like business class and then pay for everything. Like We really want to be able to give back to them in that way when we can fly, whatever that is. So, you know, that's really important. So travel and health. And then, yes, giving back to any charities that feel really important to me. And also being able to invest in my own business because my business is of service, you know, being able to hire graphic designers and people to work for my company so that I can give back in that way. And then, yeah, I think they're like the top things that come to my mind. So health and travel and being able to invest in my own business and give back in that way in charities. They're the top things that come to my mind. I love it. I love it. I love how quickly you were able to rattle those off. And I want to tell you, if you're okay with it, I would love to do a little exercise with you because I want your listeners to hear this. I love asking people, first question I ask is, what do you love to spend money on? Not like, love. And you just answered it right off the bat. You know, I want to take my parents here. You had such a beautiful vision. I want to take them in this seat on the airplane to this place. I love that. And you rattled off all these things about your health. So I call that a money dial. And we all have at least one money dial. It's the thing that we love to spend money on. It brings us joy. If you ask someone, their eyes light up. So let's say that yours is health. Okay, that's very obvious. Now I want to ask you the second question. Melissa, if you could quadruple the amount that you spend on health, what would that look like and what would that feel like? Okay. Well, it would feel amazing. What would that look like? Maybe I would get an ice bath in my house. I don't know where I would fit it, but we've got an infrared sauna. So I would get an ice bath 
in our garage or something like that. Or I'd get like an oxygen chamber. You know, I've used those. That would be amazing. Maybe I would go on more regular retreats. So, yeah. Where would you go? How would you, what seat would you sit in on the airplane? Who would be sitting next to you? Tell me about that. I would go anywhere in the world. I'd go to the best retreats in the world, if granted that we can actually travel. I would search out the best Ayurvedic retreats in the entire world. I would fly their business class and I would bring my husband, my stepson, my friends, my mom and my dad, my in-laws. I'd bring whoever wanted to come with me. (laughs) I love it. Okay, let's just break down what happened because it was so fluid coming from you. And I'm going to guess you've never thought about that question before. Never. Yeah. You know why? Because so many of us only focus on how little we can spend on something. We feel guilty, but we've never taken even 30 seconds like we just did to identify our key money dial, the thing that we love spending on, and then to dream for just a second, what would life look like if I could spend more? And this is why one of the I will teach you to be rich philosophies is to spend extravagantly on the things you love. Let me say that word again. Spend extravagantly as long as you cut costs mercilessly on the things you don't. And so for my life, relationships are very important. Well, first, let me be honest. My number one money dial is convenience, okay? By the way, the most common money dials are food, specifically eating out. That's almost everyone's first money dial. The next one is travel. The third one is health and wellness. And then from there, it's a steep drop of a cliff. Mine is convenience. You know, I like to open up my fridge. Everything is perfectly organized. I have an amazing executive assistant. That's mine. I know it's weird. It's very unusual, but that's mine. One of my other money dials is relationships. And so for our honeymoon, my wife and I decided that we wanted to bring our parents along to the first stop. And so we brought them to Italy. And just like you, we had this dream, we had this vision, and we told them just show up at the airport. You don't need to do anything else. And so they showed up and they land in Italy, you know, flying. And we took them to the best places, the behind the scenes tours. We took them to a farmer's market and then we, with a chef, and we all cooked the food together. And for us, that was a beautiful example of using our money to create a rich life. And so for everybody listening, what I want to show you is that, of course, we can talk about the technical parts of investing and asset allocation, and we can talk about all that. But really, a rich life is lived outside of the spreadsheet. A rich life is lived in a farmer's market in Rome or in the Greek Isles, or it's lived with your family at an Ayurvedic retreat where you are turning your money into a meaningful experience for you and maybe the people around you. That is a rich life. Yes, I love it. I love it so much. And what I keep feeling when I'm hearing you talking is life is so precious and so sacred and we only get one go at this. And so we need to make sure that we are squeezing the most juice out of it and we are using our money for things that really light us up and really bring us joy. I have a 14-year-old, he's almost 15, bonus son, I call him, my bonus son, and I'm currently pregnant with my first child. Congratulations. Thank you. And with him, every birthday and every Christmas, we give him an experience 
instead of a physical gift. He's got enough Lego, trust me. He's got enough of the toys. He gets that from relatives and friends and cousins and all sorts of things. And so my husband and I decided that, well, what's really important to us as a family? And that is those experiences. So for each birthday and each Christmas, my husband and I think about, well, what can we do for Leo? Like what's an experience that we can all share that he will just love? And for this Christmas that's just recently gone, we took him to Lady Elliot Island, which is an island off, it's at the very base of the Great Barrier Reef. And he's snorkeling and diving with sharks and stingrays and turtles and the most amazing fish. The elation on his face, I've got full goosebumps. The elation on his face when he gets to do that with us is just so much more, it's worth so much more than some Lego or a book. And for us, it's just how can we bring more of those experiences into our family and our friends? And I love that this is all about having a rich life is about enriching every day with the experiences that bring you joy. I just love that so much. Absolutely. I I love hearing your voice as you talk about that and the goosebumps you describe because in my vision with I Will Teach You Be Rich, that is what money is used for. By the way, I want to point something out. Some people listening, they have zero interest in diving at all. They don't want to get wet. Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. They would prefer to, for example, buy the newest iPhone or computer every year. In my vision, perfectly fine. Absolutely fine if that is what you want to do. When I say spend extravagantly on the things I love, cut costs mercilessly on the things you don't, the key there is having intention behind it. And that's why when I ask people, what is your rich life? Their first answer tends to be very generic. But when I push them just a little nudge, they know deep down and they usually feel really guilty about it. So in my life, I've told you, you know, travel and this and that. But let me also give you the other side of the equation. Until recently, I used the same MacBook Air for eight years to run my entire business off because I just don't care about the computer. And, you know, I have a car that's first car I bought out of college, 15 plus years old, thing runs great. It's just not a big priority for me. But if we travel, I love hotels. I love mapping out those experiences down to the exact, what time are we arriving there so the sun is setting at the perfect time we walk outside. I'm mapping that out down to the hour. And that can cost a lot of money, but that's okay. I want to see people treating their rich lives like a barbell really heavy on the stuff you love and then mercilessly cut on the things you don't. Could be a book, it could be a coat, it could be a beautiful trip with your family. You decide because your rich life is yours. Yes, I love that. So before we go into how do we decide what is worth it for us and what is not, I just wanted to share with you, my business tagline is love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. I'm on the same page as you. But why do you think there's so much dogma around money and wealth? And how do we reprogram that? Well, we've grown up with wealth being a bad word, with the rich being a bad word, and sometimes deservedly so when we discover some of the shenanigans done by the rich, the special rules that they get, the special exceptions that Wall Street, for example, gets. We also grow up with what I call invisible scripts. 
These are the messages that we grew up hearing from our mom, our dad, society around us. And if you think about it, think back to the youngest age you can remember your parents talking about money. Do you happen to remember sitting around that dinner table what they might have said about money? Is there anything that comes to mind for you? Something that comes to mind for me is you got to work hard. Mm. Like my dad, you got to work really hard. So take that invisible script. That's a beautiful invisible script because it can be positive or it can be negative. Think about it. Positive. Of course, you need to put in work. You need to fall in love with the craft. You need to put your time in. Those are all positive. But also think about this. As your business has grown, there are some days where you don't, you're not productive at all, but your business still makes money. And guess what? If you truly have internalized that invisible script, now you feel guilty. Now you can't enjoy being able to go out for an afternoon in the sun while your business is generating passive income. And so that has a double-edged sword. The other common invisible scripts we hear are, we don't talk about money in our house. That's a really common one. There's all these other invisible scripts. So for those of you listening, think about those messages you grew up with and try to think about how those invisible scripts are still with you 35, 40 years later. Some of them are serving you, like work hard, but some of them may not be serving you. And those are some of the reasons that rich is often a dirty word. But as we are talking about today, we see rich is not. Rich is beautiful. Rich is outside of a spreadsheet. Rich is traveling, seeing friends. It's buying some. For me, it's going to a restaurant and buying an appetizer and never having to worry about the price. That What is that, $10? But that's rich to me. Yes. So how do we work out what is meaningful for us and what we could be spending our money on and what we might need to leave to the side. How do we work that out for ourselves? You know, I always like to start, as I mentioned, with asking people what they love to spend money on. It's much easier to realign your spending if you first start with what you love. And that's very equivalent to people, for example, who are trying to go through a health transformation. You know, they go to some random coach, and the first thing the coach does is say, you can't eat cake for the rest of your life. What a turnoff. I'm out of here. I love cake, you know, et cetera. So what I would rather do is, Focus on doing more of the good, and naturally, you will let some of the other things be minimized. Again, if you want to eat cake, you can eat cake. It's just a matter of how does it fit into the context of the rest of your plate. Same with spending. So I ask people, what do you love spending on? What if you could spend more? And they're just like bewildered, and we talk about it. They're like, oh my God, their eyes get big. They have a vision. And I say, okay, great. First of all, I have to tell you that usually their vision is very small, like very small. For example, the woman who said she loves to spend money on clothes, she shopped at a very modest store. I think it was a Forever 21 type store. And I asked her if she quadrupled, what would she do? She said, I would have so many boxes of Forever 21 on my floor. And we all smiled because if you're doubling, quadrupling, 10xing your spending, maybe you're not going to shop at Forever 21 anymore. (laughs) And so we are so linear in our thinking. But as you said, you love health. Maybe you're not just going to work out one extra time a week. Maybe you're going to take your entire family to a two-week retreat. That's extra, super linear. So first start with what you love. Then, and this is the hard part, you got to get educated about how money works. So most of the people who complain about money, who say things like, it's two steps forward, one step back, and I can't seem to get ahead, and da 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 I feel scared of investing. They've never sat down for one weekend 
and read a single book on personal finance. Guys, how can you expect to succeed at this core part of life if you haven't taken six hours to read a book? So read my book, read somebody else's book, but you need to get educated with the basics. That will tell you things like, what percentage of my money should be going towards investments, towards savings? Oh, I have debt. I should know the exact month and year that my debt is going to be paid off. And here's exactly how I find out that answer. These are all things that are knowable from within my book or others. You got to get educated. So you first start off, what do you love? Then you get educated. And then you can make those systems changes. You do those three things, you're on the way to a rich life. Oh, I love it. This is so helpful. And we'll link to your book in the show notes as well so people can check that out. If you could write the high school curriculum and teach teenagers so that 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old teenager, anything about money and wealth, what would be your top five teachings? I wouldn't teach it. It's not the right time. And I've been asked a lot to work with high school students, and I have tried in the past, but there's a time and a place to teach things when the student is ready. And so if you came to me right now at this point in my life and you tried to teach me about palliative care at the end of life, why do I care? I'm a young guy. I'm married. I want to go through life and live my rich life. But hey, when I'm 75, I'm going to be really interested in that. And so part of being a great teacher is knowing when the time is right. And part of being a great student is, okay, If you truly are a high school student and you're listening to this and you're really interested in getting ahead, you know, I started investing in stocks when I was about 15. Okay, if you want to do that, there are lots of sources online. You can read the same material that adults read. That's fine. But yeah, the candid truth is if you're asking me as an instructor, as a teacher, how would I teach high schoolers? The answer is I wouldn't. Good answer. And I love that, you know, the teacher appears when the student is ready. I have an older sister who is a chartered accountant. She's six years older than me. And when I was in year 10, so that 15-year-old, she taught me about money. Not my parents. She taught me about money. And I'm so grateful. She taught me about investing. She helped me open a high-interest earning account, and she made it a fun game for me. She was like, okay, let's put $5 in. And then let's watch that grow. And she made it this fun game. And she's like, okay, so if you put $5 in every month, by this month, you'll have this much. She's like, are you ready? Let's do it. And she made it fun and really achievable. And I'm so grateful that she taught me that. And I was ready at that time. For some reason, I was ready. And so I love that you say, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And we've got things like your books and so many amazing resources. but. Is there anything that you wish you had have learned or you were taught a bit earlier about money and wealth? I wish that I had learned how big I could dream. I really wish that. And I'll give you an example. When I was in my dorm room starting my blog, the reason that I started the blog was that I had tried to teach my classmates in college for these free sessions and nobody ever came. It took me a year and a half. I was very frustrated And so I said, all right, these lazy college kids, maybe they'll come and read my blog because they're definitely not coming to these events I keep trying to throw. So I'm sitting there in my dorm room. And at that time, a number of my friends had gone to work at Google. 
And they were like, hey, you've got this blog. You got to put AdSense on here. You can make some money. And do you know what I told them? I said, if it can't cover my rent, I'm not interested. And let me translate what I was really saying back then. After I graduated, I think my rent was about 800 bucks a month. I was living in a room in a shared house. And what I was really saying was, I don't think that this website can make $800 a month. So forget it. I'm just going to do it for free. It's fine. Think about that. I put a ceiling on my business. It wasn't even a business. It was just a blog making $800 a month. Just to give you some perspective, we now have programs up to over $10,000. That's one online program that we have. And if I had only allowed my dreams to be as big as college age Ramit, I don't think we'd be talking here. I certainly wouldn't have had the experiences and have been able to help all the people that I've been able to help and reach. And so I wish when I was younger, somebody showed me what a rich life can look like. Literally show me, I took my parents here, or I heard somebody was in need and I anonymously wrote them a $30,000 check. Show me what a rich life truly can mean. If you love sports, we got tickets for my dad and me to the Super Bowl, whatever. I wish I had been surrounded with that. And that's one of my hopes today is really to show people a rich life can be diverse, it can be specific to you, and it can be bigger than you could possibly imagine today. Yeah, and it's different for every single person. And we really do need to remember that. Everything that Ramit and I are saying is our experience. And I want everyone listening to stop and think about what does that mean for you Does it mean sending your child to this specific school or does it mean being able to buy this car or whatever it is? And everyone is so different. It's really important that we get crystal clear on what it is for us. And before you spoke about these stories and these limiting beliefs around money and wealth, and maybe we first heard them when we were six years old around the dinner table with our parents. So how do we make sure that once we become aware of these limiting beliefs and these stories, how do we make sure that we catch them in our adult life when they come up so that we don't keep replaying them over and over again and manifesting the same thing that we've been manifesting? Do you have any strategies? It's a very good question and a very difficult one to answer. I call them invisible scripts because they are indeed invisible to us unless we go searching for them. And when you search for them, first off, they're very difficult to find. How can you ask yourself, what are the stories that I believe in? Well, there are so many. They're so deep that they are effectively me. One of the best things that I've discovered is when I put myself and surround myself with other successful people, people who challenge me, then I start to realize they think about things differently than I do. So for example, two people might be facing a similar challenge. Maybe they want to transform their body. Maybe they want to pay off their debt, whatever the case. And you can almost hear the stories from one person versus the other. And they'll often say it out loud. They'll say, well, I could never do that. In fact, I had somebody who said, I could never give up rice. Let's just translate that, right? That's a cultural, that person who had grown up eating rice. And so it was effectively part of them. And so in their mind, first of all, there was this idea that they had to give up rice. Nobody said that, but that's what they heard. And second, well, I can't do that, right? That's not me. Another person would say, I'll do whatever it takes. I don't care. 
And we spend so much of our time in self-development, people chasing after the perfect book, the perfect program, the perfect coach. What we rarely ask ourselves is, what does it take to be the perfect student? How do I know I'm ready? I'll give you an example from my own life. When I moved to New York, I had done a little bit of fitness, lifting, things like that. But you get to New York and everyone is very attractive and they sort of all seem to have read something where they know everything about fitness. And for me, I did not. I didn't grow up. My parents never used the word protein when we were kids. I certainly didn't, wasn't learning how to deadlift when I was 15 years old. I was just crushing spelling bees. That's what Indian kids were doing. And so I get to New York. I go, all right, I got to, I want to get a trainer. Okay. I was ready to learn from someone. I had a gym pretty close by to me. It was basically across the street. It took me three months to get the courage to walk across the street. And it wasn't the money. I had the money. It was knowing that if I walked in, I had to actually follow through. I wasn't ready. And so finally, after three months, I walk in and I just go up to the front desk and literally said, I want a trainer. (laughs) And he says, what are your goals? I didn't know what my goals are. When you're starting out, how do you even know? If I ask you, what are your financial goals? A lot of people have no idea. They don't know any percentages. So I just said, I want to put on 10 pounds of muscle. So I don't even know where I got that from. I just made it up. So the guy says, okay, you're going to have to stop doing cardio and you're going to do X, Y, Z. I said, all right. He said, it's going to take at least two years. I said, I don't care how long it takes. I'm ready. And that was the sign of a great student. I wouldn't have been ready even two months before. I would have had doubts. I wouldn't have been confident I could do it. I wouldn't have been ready. But when I walked in, finally, I put myself in the teacher's hands. I said, I will do whatever you tell me to. As an instructor now, as a teacher, those are the students that I live for. The ones who come to me and they say, I'm ready. I trust you. Tell me what to do. Those are my best students. I love them. They're successful. They end up often making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, if not millions, through the businesses that we teach them how to create. But not everyone is like that. That's okay. You don't have to necessarily be at that level. You can simply say, look, I've narrowed down my selection to three books or three teachers. You know what? I'm going to throw their names in a hat and pick one out, and I'm just going to follow whatever that person says. And so rather than being stuck and stagnant and chasing the perfect book, product, course, teacher forever, pick one and focus spending more of the time on becoming the great student that you can be. Yes, I love that. I'm just popping in to tell you about one of my favorite products that I love and use every single day. And that is my blue light blocking glasses by Blue Blocks. Nick and I love them so much that we collaborated with them to create the Nick and Melissa range, which are stunning and my absolute favorites. We honestly wear these every single day and night and take them with us when we travel and even when we go to friends' places for dinner. And if you've heard my episodes with Andy Mant and Jack Cruz on the harmful effects of blue light, you will know how detrimental blue light is for our health, hormones, eyes, and sleep, which is why I personally use them every single day. But they don't just do blue light blocking glasses. They also have awesome yellow and red light bulbs that you can install in your home, which have zero flicker, low EMF, and zero blue light. As you guys know, I'm currently pregnant, and I recently learned 
that if I wake up in the night to feed my baby and turn on the blue lights, this will affect my milk production, the quality of my milk, and the supply. So this is yet another reason why we need to get rid of all of the blue light in our home. Another one of my favorite products is their sleep mask, which blocks out all, and I mean all of the light, not like those cheap eye masks that you can get. I wear this every single night and I love it. And you can get any of their Epic products 15% off with the code MELISSA. Just head to blueblocks.com forward slash Melissa. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com forward slash Melissa and enter the code Melissa at the checkout and come and tell me on Instagram what you think of their products. Now let's get back to the conversation. I'm curious, your wife, say we go on this journey and we have all of these realizations and our partner isn't interested. They still want to spend money on things that you can see are not lighting them up. Like maybe it's addictions like alcohol or drugs or shopping or porn, whatever it is, gambling. How can we inspire our partner to open their eyes to this world? Wow, what a powerful question. And I think it resonates with a lot of people who have gone on their self-development journey, but not necessarily had their partner go on the same journey with them. And first, I'm going to tell you a dark story that I discovered, which was quite surprising. And then I'll tell you some strategies that I've learned. We focus on career, business, money, and psychology at I Will Teach You To Be Rich. But for a period of time, we were testing a food, a nutrition, and fitness program. And so we had brought a trainer in and we were testing, helping people change their bodies, change their perspectives. And what we found was that there was people who would come every week for our live event and they would be excited and motivated. They would be changing the way that they eat and the way that they move. And then they would go back to their families and they would hear comments like this. One husband would say to his wife, the wife was our student, When are you going to come and eat with the kids again? When are you going to be a good mom and eat with us? Just think about the passive aggressive message that that communicates to someone. Our student who had finally made a commitment to change and then was being dragged back down by her unsupportive husband. And we heard the same thing equally from, for example, a wife who said the same thing to her. When are you going to stop eating like a bird? This isn't fun. Okay, so think about that. And what we discovered was that for the people who had unsupportive partners, it was highly predictive that they would end up quitting. Because it's one thing to spend an hour with us, we're giving them information and we're motivating them and we're showing them what success can look like. But then you go back for the other 23 hours a day times seven days a week and you're just in that old environment. And so for them, they ended up mostly quitting. And that was really haunting for us to hear. On the more positive side, I would say that we have had a lot of success with people who first pick up the I Will Teach You Be Rich book and their partner and they first start off, you know, most people don't think about money. It doesn't bring them joy. They sort of ignore it, like cleaning your teeth. 
And so what happens is they start reading the book and they get really excited. Oh my God, did you know about what asset allocation is and what's our expense ratio? And their partner does not want to hear this stuff. This is all boring technical stuff. So in chapter nine of the book, I actually shared the exact word-for-word conversations to have with your partner. And it's totally different than what you might expect. It's not lecturing them on how they should be saving 6% more. The first part is just, hey, when you grew up, what did your parents talk about when they talked about money? It's that question that we were just talking about a few minutes ago, right? Just learning. And then it's also opening up with a little bit of vulnerability. You know, here's what my parents talked about. And, and this is something I've been trying to work on more. So that's one. And as the conversation unfolds and they have multiple conversations, what I encourage people to do is to say, what do we want to spend our money on together? And my favorite example is, let's plan a vacation. And, you know, the person will say something like, okay, you know, I want to go to Italy. Uh, we don't have to stay for too long, like maybe just like three or four days. And the I Will Teach You to Be Rich reader knows to say, you know what? Let's dream a little bigger. What if we went for 10 days? And what if we actually took a couple of days and did this awesome experience? And the other partner's like, oh my God, what? I didn't even know this was possible. So they start from a place of excitement and then they use the I Will Teach You to Be Rich system to automatically save automatically. So it's effortless. So they're spending less than one hour per month. That is the way you get a partner on board is you start with a vision. You start with excitement. You don't start with judgment. And when you do that from a place of excitement and vision, oh, a lot of people want to come along with you. I love that. It's so much more inspiring than starting with, okay, you've got to stop having your lattes every day and no more buying this and no more doing that and cutting this. That is not only overwhelming, but it's just not a nice energy to come from. So I love that you start with that dream and you start with that vision and you do it together and you collaborate together and maybe you write it down or draw pictures or whatever. I love that. It's so powerful. My wife and I just did that actually last night. So we have a regular money conversation and we independently, we did this exercise, which is so fun. It was just what's on your bucket list. And we wrote it down separately. And it was so fascinating to see the different things that we wrote down, but also the ones that have a lot of overlap. And so what we did was we created a unified list of things that we both wanted to do. And we picked them and we said, how can we make these even better, bigger, more amazing, more of a rich life? What can we do to actually make it more incredible? And oftentimes the answer was, you know, we can bring our family with us. Or I want to do a writer's retreat. One day I want to write a book at a hotel abroad. Hey, I don't want to just do it for seven days. I want to do it for a month and a half. Great. So then we took that and put it into our financial system. So we reverse engineered it. We said, okay, approximately what year do we want to do that? Approximately what's that going to cost? And I like to dream big. For the things that are important in life, I never want to be concerned with cost. I want to be able to spend whatever I want. And then we just broke down and said, okay, how much do we need to be saving or investing every month in order to achieve those goals with ease? And so suddenly, once you understand how the systems all work together, you can turn a dream into an even bigger dream, and then you can reverse engineer it and put it into your financial system so that you know exactly when you will be able to achieve it. I love it so practical and so great. What about with our children? So, I mean, I personally believe that when it comes to anything, health, money, 
relationships, the best way to teach our children is to be the example and to embody what it is that you believe because they learn through watching their parents, not from being told and they're little sponges. Is there anything else you believe we could be doing to really raise financially abundant, secure children? I do. So first of all, I want to say that this is a topic near and dear to me. One, because I get asked this a lot. Two, we don't have children at this point, And we look at a lot of our friends who have kids and we ask them, how are you teaching them? And then I think about some of my college friends, some of whom were very wealthy, some of whom were not. And how did they manage to turn out the way that they did? So I would say, number one, I completely agree with what you said, that kids observe so much. And nobody wants to sit there and do math equations when you're in fourth grade. They want to see what mom and dad are doing. Two, or whoever the parents may be. Two is to, I've had to interrogate my own beliefs about money and kids a lot as I talk to my friends. For example, I used to believe if you send your kids to private school, they're going to be spoiled. That's just a belief I kind of grew up thinking. I don't even know where I got that story from. And then I asked friends of mine, you know, how'd you decide where to send your kids? And they told me, and this is what I learned. I love parents who have a strong point of view on parenting and money. I don't even have to agree with their point of view, but I love that they have a point of view. So that's the second one is to have a strong point of view on money. And if you don't have one, then you need to get educated by starting to read basic financial books. If you can't master your money, there's no way you're going to teach your kids how to even learn about it. And then finally, the thing that I've learned from the parents I've spoken to is to get kids involved. So whether it is, hey, we're going to take a trip, you have to help us make a budget for this trip. That's a terrific way to help kids understand there's a finite amount of money. How are we going to make choices with it? Or, you know, here's $10. We need to do X, Y, Z to complete our shopping list. You want to get them involved so that by the time they go off on their own, they are not being confronted with money for the first time. That was some of the most valuable lessons that my parents taught me, including starting to invest around the age of 15. Brilliant. Yeah, my husband is very involved with doing this with our boy. He's almost 15, like I said, and he is incredibly interested in crypto and all the cryptocurrencies. And he's reading a book on it. He's read a couple of books on it. My husband has a very good friend who's very involved in that world who said he would mentor Leo. And he's just obsessed with learning about it. And he's watching all of these YouTube things. And he's so fascinated. And, you know, he does jobs to earn his money and then he invests it. And he is so fascinated with this whole world. And him and my husband have so much fun diving deep into it and really educating themselves on it together. It's a new-ish thing that they've bonded over. So I really love that. And thank you for your tips. I want to pretend now that you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world. Now, let's presume your books are in there. And this doesn't have to be a money or a wealth-related book. But just think for that high school age, teenager, 17 or 18, what book would you choose? There's a book called The Social Animal by Elliot Aronson. And Elliot Aronson is a social psychologist who I studied from at Stanford. And this book is a beautiful compilation of insights 
on how human behavior works. I believe that understanding human behavior is one of the most powerful things, lessons that we can take with us throughout the rest of our life. It is more applicable than virtually anything else we will learn. And it is so poorly understood. We are all amateur psychologists because we're humans. So we think we understand human behavior. But when you study what some of the greats like Aronson have done experimentally, you start to realize why we behave the way we do. I consider it a treasure of a book and also a huge gift to be able to understand why we behave the way we do. I love that. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. I think one of the things that I love doing is, you know, every guest that I have on, they're experts in their field, they're New York Times bestsellers, they're doctors, they're incredible people like yourself. And it's very easy for us to think that it's all rainbows and butterflies. So I want to know for you, what are you working on within yourself at the moment? That's a really good question. Of course, everyone, including me, is working on something. I'm working on being a better listener both in my personal relationships and at work. And that's hard. It's really hard. I mean, we all think, well, at least I think I'm a good listener, but I'm humbled to know that, whoa, I have a lot of work to do. And I remember taking, recently, my wife and I took a relationship course, which was over the weekend. It was like eight hours a day. And they showed us how to have these conversations about stressful topics. And it was really difficult. And afterwards, you feel like, wow, like I've just run a marathon. It's very exhausting. But learning those tools makes me realize how how powerful they can be and how little I actually understand of them. So that was tremendous. And that's something I'm trying to work on. I love that you and your wife are still working on your relationship. My husband and I are as well. Been together over seven years and still working on it all the time. We're pretty new to our marriage, and we know that getting the habits right is so important. It's just like anything, money or health, anything. Getting those habits right, setting the time aside. And in fact, that was, looking back on that entire weekend, the most valuable part for us, we learned a lot of great things, but the most valuable part was that we set time together to work on our relationship. And so we both want to keep doing that. What could be more important? Exactly. That time, setting that time aside is so important. My husband and I do the same thing. So let's talk about how your day looks now. I love hearing about people's morning routines, their rituals, their little things that they do that set them up for success. So can you kind of talk us through a quote unquote typical day in your life? Like, do you meditate? What do you eat? When do you eat? When do you work out? All of those things. So I believe that A successful morning is determined the night before, the week before, even the year before. So when I wake up, first thing, I do everything wrong, according to the experts. I roll over, I start scrolling Instagram. I love it. I don't meditate. I don't drink 38 gallons of water. I don't do any of that stuff, but I do it my way. So I wake up, I scroll Instagram, and I look at Twitter, and then I have a pretty slow, leisurely morning. I'll make breakfast. Most days I'll go work out and then start my day. And this is where that routine is really helpful. So I mentioned that my money dial is convenience. Remember, you know, my executive assistant and all that details. So I open up my calendar, which is guiding my whole life. And I double click and everything is 
perfectly arranged. And for me, this gives me joy. The link is in the same place. When I click the link, it automatically takes me to the perfect place in the document where I can just start typing. Everything is organized. And so, you know, you can even hear it in my voice. I love it. I know I sound like a psycho, but my money dials convenience and therefore I love it. So, you know, I work, I do calls in the morning and, or I do more creative work. I have some calls a little later. And then I kind of know the rhythm of my day, which is towards the end of the day, I'll do certain things versus towards the beginning of the day. So that's the general structure. And one other thing is that as we've been in LA, because the weather is so beautiful, I wanted to figure out how to walk more, how to be more active as opposed to sitting inside and doing Zoom calls all the time. So at first, I just tried harder and it didn't work. And I think a lot of us have this experience, you know, we want to want to walk more, we want to save money, and it just doesn't work. So I finally realized I need to make it more systematic. And so I picked a few key meetings and I said, hey, instead of Zoom, would you be okay if we do this on the phone? And most of them were like, yeah, great. You know, or one person said, I really need you on the computer for this. Can't do it. Fine. So now for some of my calls, I'll walk while I'm talking. And that has been really freeing to be able to walk during the middle of the afternoon, be outside. It just feels great. And it makes me feel the freedom that I originally started my business in part to achieve. Love it. Yes. Walking meetings are the best and walking catch ups. So with my girlfriends, yeah, they say, let's go to a cafe. And I'm like, no, let's go for a walk instead. So yeah. And for me, any meeting I can do walking, I will 100% do it. Yeah. As long as I don't have to be looking at a computer and typing things, but they're little tweaks that you can make that make such a difference. And I did want to say your assistant is amazing. So please tell her she is so thorough with our team, like even setting up this interview. She is so thorough. So yes, tell her, I think she's amazing. I will. Thank you so much for saying that. That makes me so happy because I really, as I said, I love being able to work with people I like and respect. My assistant is absolutely phenomenal, as is everyone on my team. And so it really means a lot to hear somebody external to our organization recognize that. So thank you. And I will pass that along. Okay. I've got three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What is one thing that we can do today for our health? Get a trainer, even if it's just for one week. Get someone to teach you. Love it. So helpful. And not just a personal trainer. I think trainers in any area of your life are amazing. Bingo. Okay. What is one thing that we can do today for our wealth? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Mm -hmm. Make a commitment that you're going to spend one hour per month. No more no less. And within that time, you're going to manage all of your finances, including investing. Make that commitment and then you can use I Will Teach You Be Rich to help you do it. I love that. So every month, my husband and I have a monthly money meeting and it's the same time, the same day of the month, every single month. When we first started doing this, I have to be really honest with you, I didn't enjoy it. He would pull up zero and the profit and loss statements and all this And I used to really loathe it. And now I'm the one that's like, oh, yay, it's our meeting today. Like, I can't wait to do it because we have multiple businesses. We have businesses together. We have businesses separately. And so for us to kind of come together once a month for an hour and we sit and we look at everything and we have a discussion, 
It's so fun. I actually enjoy it now. It's the least that we could be doing together one hour, once a month. And so even if you don't have a business with your partner, please do this. So you're on the same path and your ships are pointing in the same direction. If you don't know what your financial goals are together, short-term and long-term, how are you going to make sure your ships are pointing in the same direction? So this is what that monthly money meeting can do. That's amazing. By the way, you know, listening to you, it's so evident. You hear what I call the secret sense of success. And I call them scents like you smell them. When you walk into a very expensive store, you can just tell it's expensive by the way it smells. And you can just tell it's expensive by how few clothes they have on display. This isn't TJ Maxx or Ross. This is Chanel or Tom Ford. And so you find that with successful people as well. Every successful person has secret clues they leave. And you have just said two of them. One of them, to stay healthy, I love going on walking meetings. What a subtle clue, but I find that successful people in health do that all the time. The second one you mentioned just offhandedly, oh yeah, I do an hour a month together with my partner. Another thing that wealthy people do is they talk about money and they normalize talking about money. This is a secret clue, but it's not secret. That's what I want to do here with I Will Teach Me Rich is to show people what are the habits of top performers. And so whether it's health, money, career, business, psychology, these clues are solvable and you can start borrowing these clues and build them into your own life too. Absolutely. We've actually got our money meeting today, which is very exciting. It's very exciting. In our family, this is something that when my husband and I got together, we really wanted to make our family a home where there was no taboo topics. Because I grew up in a home where money was taboo. You didn't talk about money. You didn't talk about sex. There was some taboo topics. And so in our home and with my stepson, my bonus son, there's nothing that is taboo. There's nothing off the limits. If he wants to ask us about money or sex or death, if he comes to us and he says, what happens when you die? My parents would be like, oh, you don't have to worry about that, darling. You know, don't have to worry about that. We will sit down with him and we'll really chat to him about what happens and what we believe. And so I think everyone listening could take a lot away from that. We want to take all these taboo topics off the table and just open the conversation up for our children. Because if they don't feel confident and comfortable to talk about these topics in their home, which is the safest place that they know, then how are they going to communicate them later in life with their partner or just with themselves later in life? So let's take all of these taboo topics off the table. Okay, the last one of our rapid fire, which definitely wasn't rapid fire. What is one thing that we can do today for more love in our life? Wow, what is one thing we, ah, this is such a great question. I haven't been asked this. I would say take somebody around you who you care about and send them a message. If you can talk to them, talk to them. If you can text them, text them and tell them something you appreciate about them. That's it. Simple as that. I love it. It's so simple. That's another thing. My husband and I, we do gratitudes every morning. Three things we're grateful for. And then we say one thing that we appreciate about that person every day. When Leo, my bonus son is here, we do it around the dinner table as well. And it's something so simple. And I appreciate you for making the bed this morning. Or I appreciate that you took the rubbish out or, you know, just something so simple. So I really love that tip. So thank you for sharing that. This has been so great. And 
I could talk to you for hours. I just want you and your wife to come over for dinner and we just chat. Is there anything else that you want to share or any last parting words of wisdom or anything that I didn't ask you about that you wanted to talk about? I think we talked about a rich life and we talked about creating a vision for that. One of the things that if you're listening to this, it can be challenging to say, okay, how do I get from here to there? That is the big thing. Okay, great. I listen. I have a vision. I like to travel and vacation. And so that is where the work begins. That's really what I love to teach. That is finding a dream job, one where you're paid what you're worth. One is starting a business where you can earn more. One is actually getting your finances in order. Going First is always starting with the vision. What is exciting to you? What is important? But second is rewriting our scripts about doing the work. The work is fun. It's not fun at the beginning, maybe. It's a little hard. It's intimidating, just like learning to ride a bike. But I would challenge people to reframe the way that they think about that work. And I'll just share one quote I heard from a Navy SEAL on another podcast. He said, when other people do push-ups, they get tired. When I do push-ups, I get stronger. And I just love the reframing of something so simple, so physical, and changing it from getting tired to getting stronger. That is the same thing we can do in our lives. Ramit, all of the work that you do is helping so many people. The books, the programs, the social media platform, the website, the speaking, everything that you do is serving and helping so many people unlock their full potential. And you help so many people, you serve so many people. So I want to know what I personally can do and the listeners can do to serve you today. How can we give back to you? Thank you for asking. One, follow me on Instagram. I'm at Ramit, at R-A-M-I-T. And for those of you who are looking maybe for a new job, especially now in a new time, something where you don't have to commute maybe, something where you want to get paid $20,000 more, We love to teach that. We have a program at iwt.com slash podcast DJ, like dream job, iwt.com slash podcast DJ. Love to show people how they can find their dream job. And we will link to that in the show notes. And that is such a beautiful thing because we all deserve to have a job or a career that lights us up. This has been so beautiful. You are incredible. I've loved connecting with you. Thank you for everything that you have shared. This has just been so beautiful. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Such an epic conversation. I could have chatted to him for hours and I wish I knew this information when I was younger, but better now than never, hey? So I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. And if you did, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that you could potentially be the review of the week for next week, which is pretty awesome. Now, speaking of review of the week, I want to read this week's review. And it is a five-star review from Lil Yu. And she says, thank you, Melissa, for all the wonderful work you do to bring us these amazing conversations. I love your podcast and always feel inspired and uplifted after listening. Oh, thank you so much, honey. I'm so grateful for your kind review and the fact that you took the time to come and write me a review. I'm so grateful. And as a little thank you, I want to gift you one of my top four favorite products, and that is some goodies from Blue Blocks. 
from particularly the Melissa range, which is really awesome. So just email me hello at melissaambrosini.com with your address and we'll send those out to you, my darling. And don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I absolutely love reading what you get out of each show. So please come and share it with me. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot of it. You can share it on your social media. You can email it to them. You can text it to them. Do whatever you have to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy definitely isn't a dirty word.